0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening.
1: Today's scripture will be taken from Luke chapter 7, verse 24 to fifty. If you have your Bibles, you can take them out. If not, you can refer to the screen above. Verse
0: 24. After John's messengers
1: left... Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who prepare the way before you. I tell you, among those born of woman, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus went on to say, To what, then, can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in a town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as a great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." This is the word of God. I now pass the time to Pastor.
0: Good morning, friends. Uh, let's take a moment to look look at the person to our left or right and uh, wave at them and say hello. Yeah, since we haven't had a chance to do that. If hey, please keep your Bibles open uh, to Luke chapter seven. Uh, let's. Uh, Let me pray and ask God for help. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all scripture to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in in Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen good morning friends if you haven't met my name is Nick and today I'll tell you about my friend okay this friend is really my friends not me okay so this, this friend of mine he was interested in a girl and now and her birthday was coming up so he thought hard about what romantic gift to give uh, this girl so he decided on this very romantic gift he decided on computer speakers So she was not impressed, but uh, thank God that now they are married. So we want to have good relationships uh, with other people, with our classmates, our colleagues, our friends, our family. We want to know what they like, uh, how they think, how they behave, how to uh, build our relationship with, 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 with them. So this desire to have good relationships with others has caused this personality testing industry to grow. So today, some of you have done this, some of you have done tests like... Uh, D-I-S-C or uh, MySBRICS briggs to answer some of those questions or even on your social media uh, you you have these personality quizzes or personality quiz videos Some of you also know that there are these five languages for couples, uh, for for children, uh, for colleagues and even for the military. So Forbes says that this industry uh, is now worth about U.S. $2 $2 billion. Yeah, I think I got the zeros right. Okay, $2 billion. So we want to have good relationships so much that we are willing to spend lots on it. Now friends, the, the relationship that you must get right is, is, is especially with Jesus. You see, Jesus is the most important person in the world. He rules over the world. He made the world. So you must have this good relationship with Him. Now all of us, all of us here have a relationship with Jesus. Some of us have a close relationship. Some of us want to keep far, far away, but that is still a relationship. Or some of us would say that our relationship with Jesus is complicated. Now friends, wherever you are with Jesus, I want to show you today that Jesus is worth loving and is worth loving a lot. So I'll be looking at three questions. So the first question is, why should I love Jesus? our passage starts at verse 24. In verse 24, After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to, to, into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who have expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. So people, go, people went far away to this wilderness to hear John preach. They didn't go to the wilderness to waste time and see a little wind blowing the, the grass around. No, they went to the wilderness to see John the prophet. You went not see John because John was God's prophet, God's spokesman. So he, John told people what God wanted to say. Now John was a big deal because the creator of the universe, this big being, Infinite beings spoke through this person, this John. And Jesus says John is even bigger than a non prophet. John is more than a prophet. You look at verse 27. Why is John more than a prophet? Verse 27 if This is the one about whom it is written I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. It's not in this passage, I, but there's God, and the messenger is John. So God sent John to prepare the way for God to come. So John did that. John told everyone to get ready for God to come, uh, to make that you turn from sin to, to, to submit to God, turn away from, to repent from your sin to submit to God. So that's why he's so important. He prepares people for God. So after John, straight away, God. He's so important that verse 28, Jesus says, he's greatest among those born of women. So John is great because he has a special job, a special privilege to tell people that God is coming. Now what do we learn about this coming God? So that's Jesus. So Luke will have told us about this, but there's also something else here in this passage. So this verse is taken from Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Okay, so I'm going to flash this up. Okay, do you notice the difference between Malachi 3 verse 1 and Luke? I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. This messenger have prepared the way for God, but Jesus changes to, to say that he's preparing the way for me, not just God. So what's going on? How come Jesus says? He refers to this passage as, as him? Now friends, what Jesus is doing here, he isn't twisting scripture to, to say whatever he wants to say. Jesus is actually helping us understand Scripture, helping us understand God's Word. So what Jesus means is this. Jesus is saying that He is God. He is the God that that John is preparing people for. So Luke has been preparing preparing us about Jesus. Luke has been telling us that uh, God's kingdom has come because Jesus is the King, the King that has come. And Jesus, the King, is inviting people to come into His kingdom. And Jesus has authority to forgive sins. And he's even seeking, he's looking out for sinners, uh, to ask him to come into the kingdom of God. He wants to fix our relationship with God. So what does that mean for you and I? Well, this means that you can be great. Look at verse 28 again. How can you be great? Verse 28. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Friends, you can become great. You can even become greater than the greatest prophet, John. How? By saying yes to Jesus, by saying yes to being in his kingdom, to, say, to accept Jesus' invitation to be in his kingdom, to turn from a rebellion against God, to submit to Jesus. So John is like this announcer, this great announcer of this great kingdom. Uh, so as great as this announcer is, once the kingdom come, the announcer is not that important because the kingdom is already here. Okay, let me give you an analogy. It's just like YAM Army. Okay, some of you don't know this. So now imagine you are back in 2011. Okay, so it's the general elections. You voted and the results were in YAM Army. He's going to announce who won. Now YAM Army was very important for the election night. Very, very important. My friends, He was only the announcer so after he announced the election results he's not it's not really not that important I mean at most you can take pictures with him uh, if you see him on the street yeah but what's more important than Yam Ami after he made the announcement is the MPs who your new MPs are who the who will form the new government who who will you look for if you if you if you need help in the government so in the same way, friends, John is important. But once the kingdom of God has come, once Jesus has come, what's more important is who is the king of the new kingdom? Who is in the, who's in the new kingdom? So Jesus is more important. The kingdom is more important. And if you believe in Jesus, if you are in the kingdom, then you are greater than John. Because, you, because, Jesus is, because this is what John has been talking about. So this means, friends, that if you just started believing in Jesus yesterday and you are a one-day-old Christian, you, one-day-old Christian, you are greater than the greatest prophet John. Not because of uh, who you are, because you have something special in yourself. No, it's because of the kingdom that you are in, because God, because Jesus is your king. My friends, that is why we should love Jesus, because Jesus invites you into his kingdom, into a greater kingdom. He forgives you of your sins, of your rebellion against God, your sins past, present, future. Of all the times you deny his authority over you, Jesus brings you into his kingdom. But why should I love Jesus? Because John prepares us for Jesus, because Jesus invites us into his kingdom. So love Jesus. Now we're on to our next question. Why some don't love Jesus? Our passage says in verse 20, from verse 29 onwards, some people accepted Jesus. Many people accepted what John had to say. The verse 29 shows us that people, even the outcast tax collectors, they accepted John's message. So John's message to get ready for God to come, to make that U-turn from sin, from their rebellion, to submit to God. And John's message was God's message. So those people who accepted John's message, also accepted God's message, accepted God's way. And if they accepted God's way, they are in God's kingdom. They are God's people. But how about the religious experts? The religious elites, they treat John differently. How do they treat John? Look at verse 30. What does it say? Verse 30. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. The God experts, the guys who think they knew it all, they reject John. So they reject God's purpose for them, to be in the kingdom. The non-experts accept John, so they accept God's way, uh, and they are in the kingdom. The experts reject God's way, and they are outside the kingdom. Now, why are the religious experts like that? Because God's way doesn't fit with their their way. Listen to verse 32. They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you said, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Wisdom is proven right by all her children. Now, this passage is a bit complicated. A few years ago, ago when we did the book of Luke, I remember Pastor Andrew Ong, at leader's training, he said, okay, these are the options, and this is the correct answer. So the first answer was the correct answer. And that Sunday, we had a guest preacher, Christopher Ash from the UK, coming to preach that same passage, and he gave one of the wrong answers as the correct answer. Okay, so uh, this is complicated, but this is what I think. Okay, so the children... Okay, so in this passage, the children are like playing Simon Says. So they are the Simon, they are the boss. So everyone must follow what they say. Everyone must dance to their tune. But there are other children who refuse. Okay, so who are the first group, so who are the, who are the first group of children? What are they like? Okay, so these people, they are the religious experts. The religious experts, they want Jesus, they want John to do what they want, to be the, to be the people that they want them to be. But... John and Jesus don't follow them. John and Jesus don't dance to their tune. So in verse 33, you see, John's self denial was a picture of mourning for sin to get ready for God to come. But the religious experts reject John for being too strict. And Jesus, Jesus ate with sinners to call them to believe, to call them into the kingdom, to give them forgiveness. But the religious experts condemn Jesus for being too slack for hanging out with sinners. Now, both both John and Jesus, they're right. So when the religious experts, when they reject John, when they reject Jesus, they reject God. So why don't they love Jesus? They don't don't love Jesus because Jesus doesn't listen to them because Jesus doesn't do what they want. He doesn't do what they want. In verse 35, we we learn about another group about wisdom's children. But who are these children? Who are the ones who prove wisdom right? Wisdom's children are the same children as, the same people as verse 29. They are the ones, they are God's people who acknowledge God's way is right. So they listen to John, they repent from their sins. They listen to John, and they follow Jesus. So these are God's people. God's people acknowledge God's way is right. And then they, God's people, who approve God's wise ways is right. God's wise way through Jesus and John is right. So the religious experts want God to listen to them. But God's people want to listen to God. The religious experts want to be God over God. But God's people, let God be God. So why don't the religious experts love Jesus? The religious experts hate Jesus for not listening to them. But God's people love Jesus by listening to him. So who is in charge? Friends, in your relationship with Jesus, who's in charge? Whose voice do you listen to? Who's the king? You or Jesus? As someone said, selective obedience is not obedience. It's convenience so when you decide when to obey Jesus when not to obey Jesus you are the one in charge you decide you you want Jesus to dance to your tune you are the one who is in charge My friends be, be warned this way rejects God's purpose for you God's purpose for you to be in the God's kingdom where Jesus is a king because when you make yourself king you are outside the kingdom you are the king and, that, and you are the, people, you are the kingdom. Not, Jesus is not the king. So when you decide when to obey Jesus, you're actually putting your side, yourself outside Jesus' kingdom. Friends, if that's you, Jesus still loves you. Jesus in love, just invites you, blatant sinner, to come into his kingdom, to accept his forgiveness, he invites you into the kingdom of God. So friends, accept his offer before it's too late. Love him for his generosity. Because he invites unworthy you into his kingdom. Let's recap what we have learned. We're trying to learn how to have a good relationship with Jesus. So why should I love Jesus? Because he brings you into the kingdom of God. Why don't some love Jesus? Because Jesus doesn't fit their expectations. Now the third question. How should I love Jesus? Now we are in verse 36 the scene changes now we have a pharisee simon's house simon invited jesus there for a meal but something unexpected happens something unexpected look at verse 37 what happens a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that jesus was eating at the pharisee's house so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume As she stood behind him at his feet weeping she began to wet his feet with her tears then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured perfume on them. So everyone knew that this woman was a sinner. Maybe she was a prostitute, a home wrecker, a family breaker. But she heard that Jesus was at Simon's house. So she rushed home for her alabaster jar of expensive perfume. Expensive perfume that cost about 300 days of pay. And she wanted this expensive perfume. For Jesus so she came back and she saw them uh, lying on the side to eat so this is how they had the banquet they lie on the side uh, to eat so she spied where Jesus was and stood behind him at his feet and she stood there she felt emotions welling up inside her and those emotions broke the damp that held back her tears and they poured forth relentlessly embarrassingly they fell on Jesus feet like heavy rain And she knows there's no way, there's no way that this high and mighty Pharisee would condescend to the level of this notorious sinner to let her ask for just a piece of rag to wipe Jesus' feet. So running out of ideas, she had to make do with her long, precious hair. She used her glorious hair to wipe off her tears and wipe off the dirt from Jesus' feet. So she knelt down to wipe his, uh, wipe his dirty feet clean with her hair and she poured perfume on those clean feet. Feet wa- washed with her tears, wiped clean with her hair and kissed with her lips. Now, if what you're one of the, uh, the, the guests at, at the house, what would be in your mind? Maybe, why is she doing this? Or well, doesn't she know how barbaric she is? So who washes smelly feet with uh, nice, clean hair? And someone in my Bible study group said, this is so unhygienic. Okay. Now, whatever you're thinking, Simon, Simon the Pharisee has something else in mind. Look at verse 39. What's he thinking? If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. So if there's one thought, he shoots down both people. He shoots down Jesus, he shoots down the woman. This fellow can't be that great prophet who rose, who rose the, the widow's son from the dead. No, cannot be. He doesn't even know what kind of sinful filth is contaminating him, is defiling him with her filthy fingers. We won't celebrate this kind of woman on International Women's Day. Jesus knew what Simon was thinking. So Jesus answers those thoughts with a story. Verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so, who forg- so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Now friends, one denarius is a lot of money. It's like working one day of one day uh, one day at a as a laborer, hard work. So to return someone one denarius, you I must work one full day and not buy anything to eat. Then the next day I'll have one denarius to pay back my money, my money lender. So five hundred denarii, fifty denarii. It's very hard to return. That's working 500 days, working 50 days, uh, con- con- continuously with no food to eat, to suggest to settle that, that debt. Yet they were forgiven. Now, friends, this also means that this moneylender he lost a lot of money to forgive both debts. He is very generous to forgive. So, who will forgive? The, which debtor will will love more? Verse 43. Simon replied. I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged right correctly, Jesus said. The one who was forgiven more loves more. So who is this parable talking about? Simon? No. The woman. You see, friends, Simon failed in three things in, his, in the way that he treated Jesus. But in those same three things, this despised sinner exceeded Simon and loved Jesus. So first, Simon failed to see to Jesus' dirty feet. Verse 44 says, he didn't even offer Jesus water to to wash his own feet, DIY. But in verse 44, the the, the woman did it herself. The woman did it herself. She wet Jesus' feet with her tears. She wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, the dirty feet. Dirt feet caked with the dirt of the the streets of Palestine. Her glory for Jesus' dirty feet. And second, a welcome kiss. Normally, a host will give one welcome kiss on the cheek, if it's like same rank, or maybe on the hand, if the guest is of high rank, maybe a great teacher, or or maybe a parent. But no kiss for Jesus from Simon, none at all. As if Jesus is not welcome in his house. How about the woman? She has not stopped kissing Jesus. Not on the hand, not the cheek, on the feet. So she humbles herself to love Jesus extravagantly. Okay, soothing oil. So Simon failed to anoint Jesus' head with soothing oil. So oil soothes dry skin in, hot, in the hot weather. But none for Jesus from Simon. How about the woman? The woman anointed Jesus, Jesus with expensive perfume. 300 days worth of wages spent on perfume just for Jesus. And not on the head, not on the hand, but all spent, all wasted on the feet. It's extravagant love. Now friends, Hate and love. Why are there such diverse responses to Jesus? It's, just, it's all because of how much you realize you have been forgiven. It summarized like this. Okay, so I, I took this line from a famous movie to help us to remember better. With great forgiveness comes great love. We love Jesus in proportion to how much we know Jesus has forgiven us. Forgiven more, loved more. So in verse 47, Therefore I tell you, her many sins has been forgiven, as her great love has shown. The one who has been forgiven 500 denarii was forgiven more, so he loves the money lender more. In the same way, this woman has had many, many, many sins. But we don't know at what point. At some point, she, she heard Jesus, Jesus' message. And she turned to Jesus. She accepted Jesus' forgiveness. She was forgiven of her sins. And in our passage today, she knew Jesus had forgiven her. She came to Jesus. She responded, with, she responded to this generous forgiveness with extravagant love. Extravagant love shown in emotion for Jesus as she wept at his feet. and she kissed his feet. extravagant love shown in action as she humbles herself to serve Jesus. Now this is the one that Jesus declares in verse 50. The woman said, uh, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus' kingdom is made out of people like this, like people who have faith, people who believe in Jesus, like this woman. Even like the unworthy Gentile centurion in chapter 7. The unworthy Gentile centurion who, who has faith in him. Chapter 7, verse 9. I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. All those with faith are inside the kingdom of God. Inside this greater kingdom of God. So, friends, if you have faith in Jesus, you are also in this kingdom of God. You are also including this kingdom. All those who have faith are also Jesus, are also wisdom's children. In verse 35. And they show that God's way is right by their actions. Now, let's look at this woman. this woman. This woman's great love for Jesus proves that God's way to forgive sinners is right. The woman's great love for Jesus shows that her relationship with Jesus is fixed. But for Simon, Jesus warns in verse 47, Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. It's not that Simon doesn't have much to be forgiven. No. I mean, in this passage, he hated Jesus, the coming one. He hated God. And he wrongly despised the sinful woman who has repented. Simon is blind to his own sin. Right? But he, he's a sinner. He needs forgiveness, but he thinks he doesn't. The plank in his eye is bigger than the speck in the woman's eye. So he hates Jesus. In verse 30, he is one of the people who rejects God's purpose for him. So Jesus' warning for Simon is this. Simon, recognize your sin and come to Jesus for forgiveness. Now there's another aspect to this story. It's what we learn about Jesus. So just look at how the woman loves Jesus. The woman loves Jesus as if Jesus is the moneylender who forgave, who generously forgave the debts of those who cannot pay. You see, Jesus is the one who graciously forgives all of us of our sins because we cannot pay. He forgives us if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in Him. Jesus has God's authority to declare our sins forgiven. Jesus is God who forgives sins. So those who Jesus forgives generously love Jesus extravagantly. Now, let me summarize. So why should I love Jesus? Love Jesus because He brings you into the kingdom of God, he invites everyone into the eternal kingdom of God, everyone, including the outcast sinners, everyone, including the Pharisee, everyone. But why don't some people love Jesus? But some don't love Jesus because Jesus doesn't fit their expectations. Friends, if Jesus doesn't fit your expectations, reevaluate their expectations. Don't reevaluate Jesus. How should I love Jesus? Love Jesus extravagantly because He forgives your sins generously. Now what's the main message? Love Jesus extravagantly. Extravagant love in emotion for how He forgave you of your sins. Extravagant love in action as we serve Jesus. Now this means two things for us. First, this means that we confess our sins. Now, confessing your sins is hard. It's easier to see the speck in someone else's eye compared to the plank in our own eye. It's easy to diagnose a sin in other people's actions than the sin in our own hearts. See, God's word says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Our hearts trick us. They deceive us. They tell us we are okay. We are fine. They tell us we have no sin. Our, our hearts are, are like this, are like an inner corrupt defense lawyer, always condemning other people, but always justifying us, even though we are in the wrong. My friends, Jesus knows your heart. He knows your sin. He knows you need help. So confess your sins to God. But Nick, you might ask, if I'm blind to my own sin, like this passage says, how do I know what's my sin? How do I confess? Now verse 10 says, the Lord knows your heart. So we use God's word to shine the light into our heart, to expose our hearts of, its, of the sins. So tr- we, try this, maybe. Try this ACTS as you read the Bible. So I use this ACTS acronym as a model for my prayer after I read the Bible. So I'm going going to use our passage as an example. So A is we adore God. So adoration. So I I pray, God, you are so generous towards us. T, I thank God for something in this passage. I pray from this passage, God, thank you for Jesus who forgives me of my sins. S, supplicate. Or I I ask God for something based on this passage. So I pray, God, please help me to love Jesus extravagantly. And what I see, confess. I confess a sin from what I'm reading. So I confess. From this passage, I'll say, Lord, I'm sorry for for hating Jesus like Simon. So as we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we reflect on our sin, as we see how much God, how much Jesus has forgiven us, then you, we will love Jesus more, and you will love Jesus more. So confess your sins. Second, love Jesus. So if Jesus has forgiven you generously, the response is to love Jesus extravagantly. Extravagant love in emotions for, how, for Jesus, for how He forgave your sins, extravagant love in action to, sh- to serve Jesus. Now, what might that look like for you? Or Maybe the question to ask is, what difference does Jesus' forgiveness make in my life? What difference does Jesus' forgiveness make in my life choices? Uh, what difference does Jesus' forgiveness make in my words, in the way that I speak to my parents, my, my friends, my bosses? What difference does Jesus' forgiveness make in the way that I use my phone? Because whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Uh, Whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. The friends, love Jesus extravagantly. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, may your word bear fruit in our lives this week as we seek to love you, to serve you, to follow you. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Hi everyone. For those of you on Zoom, we'll be moving into breakout rooms for a time of discussion for five minutes. Uh, please turn on your cameras, unmute yourself, and have a fruitful discussion. For those of us here at GBHQ, please feel free to discuss within your roles. The two questions for discussion yeah, are up here on the slides. Am I more like the sinful woman or the Pharisee Simon? And why? And second question, how can we get a greater sense that God has forgiven our sins?